Lord, thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for just the common grace of allowing us to be on your earth. Thank you that you gave us your word that is inerrant, is all-sufficient. We need nothing more than what you've given us in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for salvation through the blood of your son, Christ Jesus, because there was no way that man could ever make things right on his own. In fact, we messed it up all on our own. Lord, we just ask that as we delve into the word today, that they forget who I am and they just see you, that I fade away as Christ becomes more and more prominent. Lord, we're just grateful for this, grateful for this day. Amen. The verse I'd like to speak on today is Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, which if you find it and when you find it may seem kind of like an odd verse, given the context before and after. After it, after verse 9, Christ is having one of those infamous dinners with sinners and he schools the Pharisees, but verse 9 has always stood out to me. So I'll be reading from the NLT, by the way, the New Living Translation, so it may sound a little different than y'all's. Matthew 9, chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. That's it. That's the verse I want to talk about. He said, underneath that, Matthew invites Christ to dinner. Christ asked about, or the Pharisees asked about fasting. I want to talk about this. There are several occasions in Scripture, uh, Matthew 4, 18 through 20, Mark 1, 16 through 34, Luke 5, 1 through 11, where Christ is calling his apostles. You know, he just comes up and you've heard the fisher of men. Come with me and be fisher men. They leave and they go. But Matthew has always stood out to me because of who he is, where he came from, and what it meant to follow Christ. Because like when Peter left, his, it said, Scripture says he left his dad in the boat. So there was still business. Somebody could still go catch fish, still conduct things. Matthew, a lot can be discerned from Matthew by knowing his, his original name. In Rome and in Greece, you had oftentimes had two names. You had your Romanized name, which in this case was Matthew, and you had your Jewish name, which was Levi. And just knowing Levi, the name Levi, can tell us what his parents had in store for him. They had high hopes for him because Levi was one of the 12 tribes, one of the patriarchs. The Levite priests were the priests of the temple. So naming your son Levi is a lot like naming your son Donald Trump Jr. You, you, you have high hopes for these guys. But he's a tax collector, which means at some point he fell short of his parents' expectations and became a tax collector. It's not like joining the IRS, okay? We don't like the IRS. Most people I know don't like the IRS. But being a tax collector in first century Judea meant siding with the enemy. It meant betraying your people, your culture, customs, and your religion. Because the Jews 
had their own tithes, which were taxes that they collected. But here you have a guy who is no longer even associated with the Jewish people being a tax collector. This guy had even changed his name to Matthew from Levi. He had lost all, all connection with his family. This typically custom was in the Jewish people, if you did something for the Roman Empire, you weren't, you weren't part of the family, you were shunned. So he's sitting out here collecting taxes, and we can look at Zacchaeus as an example. If you're a tax collector, chances are good you're crooked. Zacchaeus was collecting money and then some. It was common knowledge that tax collectors like, like Matthew were collecting money and then some. They were reviled people. They were trusted by nobody. And here comes Christ. He's just strolling along and telling this guy, come follow me to be a disciple. And he didn't hesitate. He didn't say like the one guy said of, well, let me go bury my father first. He didn't go away sad like the young ruler when Christ told him to sell everything and follow me. It says, Matthew got up and followed him. Now that's just not getting up and going on a short-term mission trip. That is leaving everything you have. This party below here is a going away party. There's nothing Matthew is going to own after he leaves. He is about to follow, from their perspective, a homeless, broke, poor Jewish rabbi and leave everything behind because Christ said to follow him. Church tradition holds that Matthew was crucified in Turkey a few years after Christ's ascension for preaching the gospel. Here's a man who had a house. He had enough money to throw a party. He hung out with prostitutes and everything else, and he left it all when Christ said, follow me. He walked away and abandoned everything. And that's what hits home with me in looking at the life of a Christian. The life of a Christian should be marked by suffering and by death. And by death, I mean dying to yourself. Christ says in the, all the Gospels except John, reiterate, pick up your cross and follow me. If you can't do that, you're not worthy to be my disciple. This is what Matthew did. He left everything. He became poor. He became homeless because he understood like Christ preached that all the treasures are in heaven. And everything here goes to rot. Everything here decays. There is nothing. Paul goes through a list of his credentials and talks about how educated he is, about how he can trace his line back to Benjamin, which after the exile in Babylon was a very hard thing to do, how he kept the law better than anybody else, but all of that he counts for nothing, short of following Christ, dying for Christ, and I look at and I wonder, do we actually understand what it means to follow Christ, to pick up our cross and to follow him? And I would say, myself included at times, we are practicing practical atheists because we want to follow Christ and we want to have that get out of hell free card, but we don't want to give up our bad habits. 
We don't want to give up our gossiping. We don't want to give up our worrying. We don't want to give up whatever it is that we hold on to in this planet and in this mortal body that ties us to, well, Christ can have everything except this. We don't want to give up our unforgiveness. We don't want to give up these things that make us feel good. When you worry, when we worry, Christ says worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's going to take care of itself. But when we worry about tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after, we're saying, God, we don't believe in your sovereignty. We don't believe like when Jesus tells us that you care for us and you will see to our needs because you even clothe the lilies of the valley and the birds and the fields and you feed them. But I don't believe in your sovereignty for me. We show that we can't give up Christ, give up our lives for Christ when we gossip, when we say angry words to people, when we think angry thoughts. Christ tells us that if we're angry with somebody, we've already killed them. Paul reminds us in Ephesians not to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. Christ reminds us that it's not what we eat that defiles us, but what comes out of our mouths because it is a measure of what's in your heart. But we can't seem to give that up. And I can, all you have to do is turn on the TV and look at a news broadcast to tell that. But here's a guy who gave up everything to follow Christ. He knew the cost. And Christ says to count the cost before you decide to be his follower because it costs everything. Preachers that will tell you that salvation is a free gift either are fooling you or don't understand grace. Because in order to come to Christ, we have to die to ourselves every day. We have to take our sins, our wants, our desires, everything that's not associated with Christ and put it on that cross and crucify it and kill it. We have to die and pick up that cross and bear the idea that there are going to be people that don't like us but we have to love them. There are going to be people who use us, but we still have to consider them and their needs and their brokenness and what's called the imago Dei, the image of God, that everyone's made in the image of God and we still see to their needs. We have to understand that when Christ says, love your spouse, you got to love your spouse. When Christ says, understand your wife, he has a sense of humor, but we still have to understand our wives, respect our husbands and see everyone who's a brother and sister in Christ as just that, a brother and sister in Christ. And I want to step back from that and, and pose this question. Have you ever had anybody yell at your kid that you didn't know and didn't appreciate? And I'm guessing you probably got a little upset about it. Next time you get angry with a brother or sister in Christ, you take into consideration that you are yelling at God's child. And take that anger that you felt when somebody unwarrantedly yelled at your kid and multiply it by infinity. And you start to get an idea of what it's like for God whenever you, he has a brother and a sister that are arguing with each other. Matthew followed Christ to his death. All the apostles followed Christ to their death. And they were all changed individuals when they submitted to Christ's rule. Peter went from this blustery, bravadoed, testosterone-driven guy 
who cuts off someone's ear to an old man telling people to live a Christian life and to always be prepared to give a reasoning for their faith. Paul was perfectly happy persecuting the church. He was blameless among the Jews. And he died being beheaded for Christ. James was killed at the edge of Herod's sword. And the list goes on and on. And I'm not saying we're going to necessarily die like that. But on top of this type of death is the spiritual death that we have to pray for every day. When we pray, Lord, let your will be done in our lives, that means let us let go of the desires that we have, of the wants that we have, of the complaining and the neediness that we have, and understand that we are children of the Most High God, and He is our Lord. So whatever He gives us is a blessing. Hebrews tells us He disciplines those whom He loves. So it doesn't mean everything is going to be peachy keen but it is going to mean everything's taken care of because God is sovereign over all. And even in the midst of your suffering, he understands that. And it's our job to glorify God in that. It's our job to glorify God when we don't have a job, when a child dies, when you don't know where your next meal's coming from, when, when, when. When you feel your sanity slipping away from you slowly, you glorify God. It's a simple task, but it's not easy. In fact, it's impossible without the Holy Spirit, without Christ. Thankfully, when Christ ascended, he promised his followers a comforter to help with those. Because in our own strength, in our own strength, we cause the mess that this world is. Adam and Eve deciding they would rather follow themselves than follow God. We have what we have. Sin, suffering, death, disease. Cats and dogs fighting and arguing. And it's only through Christ and surrendering to Christ and giving everything like Matthew did that we finally understand peace and we understand what it means to be a child of God. And we cease the struggles with the outside world and we struggle with what's inside ourselves. And that's the verse that's been on my heart for months. Because I see it as something we all need to face as Christians. If we're Christians, if we are born again, if we are believers in Christ who are transformed by the Holy Spirit, saved through faith alone, in Christ alone, through the, for the glory of God alone, then we need to be in constant repentance and constant introspection of what we need to give up. And we need to pray to God that he gives us that opportunity and that strength to crucify our wants, our needs, our desires, and seek killing him first. Regardless of whether or not it conforms to what we think we need, we need to follow Christ first like Matthew did.